I'm going to sit. That's a lot of talking. There is more. That's for somebody out there. Okay, so. Uh, welcome. This is, hey, if you're new here, I think there's two new people. Welcome, guys. I hope you got freaked out enough. That's great. Um, but yeah, we're all about Jesus. We love Jesus. And um, hey, did you tell Chris about your dream, Robin? Ruben, did you tell him? Yeah. How on point was that? Can I share it? No, I won't. I won't. Um. Um. So, all jokes aside, wow, that didn't land, did it? Nope. Tough crowd, very tough crowd. <laughs> um, hey, glad you're here. Um, and I'm sure God will keep on talking to all of us. Um, and I'm just going to try and keep these as short as possible. I still want to have time, some more time to just wait at the end on God. And maybe he wants to say some other things that haven't been mentioned. Um, but for this term, um, the theme is uprising. And at first I thought, oh, you know, everybody's doing activism and activism stuff and, you know, like Black Lives Matter and Save the Earth and everybody was all up in arms. But did you realize that, like, right after Corona, well, yeah, right after, right when Corona started, almost everyone forgot about all the bushfires that happened in January? Do you guys remember that? That was a thing. There were bushfires. <laughs> that was a thing. Um, and so... There seems to be this shift that is that is happening in, in the world around it. If you're if you're not aware of it already and you don't watch the news, all I would have to say is Trump, and some of you would just go like that. Um, <laughs> so, so throughout all of this, part of the part of what's happening is that a lot of people are talking about how something is shifting across the world. You know, I've been praying and asking God like. God, whatever is shifting, what do you want to do with this shift? Because for, for a lot of people, the way that they are approaching all of the changes and the chaos that is in the world is through an activism mentality, like put, putting up a black square on your Instagram page and then six months later, your choices haven't actually reflected what you put up. And so... Part of, part of this and part of what's happening inside of the world, God already knew was going to happen. Like, when the bushfire happened, all the animal activists came out and the Save the Earth people, I don't know what to call them, came out and they were like, up in arms, save the animals, give all of this money. Now it's Black Lives Matter. Now it's defund the police. Now it's Corona. Now it's, we're being, you know, 
you don't control our lives and it's gone so far as like some people in Melbourne are going like, oh, corona is not a thing. I deserve to be outside. That's a thing. <laughs> so what's Jesus' response to all this? Because there's this uprising mentality and I tried to look at the word uprising. Um, can you just check up that? Is this first or second slide? It's, uh, it's rude. So, there's more words, but I try to put it together. So, an uprising is an act or an instance of rising up. So, if I, I just rose up, didn't I? Hmm? Rising up. See? I rose up. Um, in defiance, wait, go back. Sorry. In defiance, usually, of an established something. Usually people used to do uprisings against authority. You would have heard about the Arab Spring. You would have heard about um, the Reformations, the Crusades. You would have heard um, about uh, what was this? the French Revolution. That was one of the other. So that's an uprising. It's when you protest against um, or whatever you do. When you rise up, your actions say, we don't necessarily agree with everything else that's established, everything else that's the norm, everything else that is happening around us. What's the next one? Next slide. What does it say? Your uprising is what you... It's when, you're, when you're uprising, when you're rising up, it says it's what you stand for and whatever you stand for, how it goes against the popular and normal way that things are. And the challenge for all of us is whether or not whatever it is that pulls the strings of our heart, whether it's animal welfare, whether it is looking after the planet. I don't know if I'm going to use those slides, bro. I'm just like, whatever. If anything matches, like, jack it up, but otherwise. Whatever it is that pulls the strings of your heart, whether it's slavery, whatever it is. How well are you prepared to change and to shape all of the choices of your life and the direction of your life so that your life, not just your words, say, this needs to change. This needs to change. How, how well are you prepared to do that? And Jesus has a solution. In fact, he had a solution even before any of this happened. The world that we're part of is no different from the way the world was in Jesus' time. If you actually did a cultural comparison in what people valued in Jesus' time, um, it's a, the Greeks and the Romans, those were the two most prolific worldviews. Rome was you know, pretty much like the U.S. would be today. So they influenced culture, they influenced language. And Jesus is not born free. He's actually born under oppression. And so usually you have to be oppressed to start an uprising. Generally, those are the conditions that are really good for that. Um, so, you know, just go. I don't know. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> maybe school is your oppression. Let's ban school. Yeah! <laughs> I could just see it. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a bit distracted. So, in order to start an uprising in Jesus' time, there were a few people that were there were a few people that actually tried to to liberate and save the Jewish people from Roman oppression. And some of the things that you'll find about Greek culture 
Um, we, there's a word that's thrown around a lot today, which is narcissism. Um, that stems from Greek culture. A lot of the way that we think, you know how sometimes you just want answers to your questions, like straight answers? Like, for example, when babies die, where do they go? And we want straight answers, right? But the Bible doesn't actually say a lot about it. The Bible doesn't answer a lot about these things, a lot of these things in a way that, in a way that we just get straight answers. All it says is go talk to God. And it's like, I don't know what answer I'm going to get from God. Like, oh, should I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? I don't know. The Bible's not clear about that, by the way. So, in all of these issues, in all of these issues, God has been for for thousands of years, trying to start an uprising. The way the world works is already completely different to the way God is going. So when Jesus comes, in Matthew, we read a little bit of that um, in term two, in the Sermon of the Mount. When Jesus comes in, he starts to talk about this. The first thing he starts with is repent and believe because the kingdom of God is coming. It's here right now. Repent. Why do we need to repent? We need to turn. We need to turn from the way that we've been discipled. Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the assumption? The assumption is you and your body don't want to do what God wants to do already. So we need to be discipled, retrained, reborn again. We need to have a new birth inside of our souls and inside of our hearts so that the nature that comes through might be what God always intended. You know, God said to the Israelites, I will make you a nation of priests. And his whole idea was that the entire world would actually come to know him and worship him. And so Jesus comes on the scene. And for three years, do you know what he said to people? He just said to them, when he, when he met them, he said, follow me. Now, for somebody who wants certainty, what are some of the questions you're going to ask? Where are we going? Right? Why? What you got to do with me? I don't know you. You don't know me like that. Right? Where are we going, Jesus? What are we going to eat? Are we going to work? I don't know. But it was powerful enough of a call that when Jesus spoke it to a person and into their heart, that they knew this is the very God who holds my life in his hands. And I better answer this call. Otherwise, I'm going exactly the way the rest of the world is going. The rest of the world, how it's going is um, in, in, in the, in, in the Greco-Roman times, they worshipped um, pretty much, they had multiple gods. They had a God of beauty. They had a God of reputation. They had a God of thunder. They had a God of the seas. They had the God of harvest. They had a God of sexuality. They had a God of money. They had a God of war. All of these. And Jesus comes to them and he says, there is only this many gods. Three in one. Eh? You get it? There is one God. His name is Jesus, and I've come here to ask you to follow me. 
Notice, by the way, that Jesus didn't say, will you just uh, accept me into your life if you have a little bit of room? Do you have a bit of room for Jesus? Like, I don't know, a couch will do. He doesn't say that. (laughs) He does not say that at all. He says, give me all your life. Follow me. For Peter, it meant that he had to leave his job and what he thought life was going to turn out like. What does follow me look like for you? So last term we went through awakening. And hopefully you, you've gotten some revelation and things that Holy Spirit has given into your heart to, to awaken you. And the whole idea is that you, you stop being asleep. Because that's what it says in Romans. It's sleepy people that... It's people that are asleep spiritually, that don't have their eyes open spiritually. They're the ones that are going around and doing what everybody else is doing. And in fact, there is a list of that that is, that is on there. And some of those are, 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 are online. We posted some of, it, some of it in the Bible. Romans chapter 13, towards the end there. You can read it later if you want to see. So if you have been awakened, which is what Jesus was doing with his disciples for three years of intensive discipleship, they had to trust him for where they, they had... They were going to, to, to sleep. Like, who has a room and a bed? We had 30-year-old men walking around the world not knowing where they were going to sleep. You don't have to trust Jesus for that. Praise God. Because <laughs> the world will be messed up if that was the case. That's why they were killing each other, I reckon. So, so he awakens them to their identity, to who he is really, and to what their purpose is. And then he does something really interesting. He tells them about his grand plan. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it starts and it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain that Jesus had appointed for them. And the, uh, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some doubted. By the way, if you're just waiting to believe on Jesus because he hasn't done some grand miracle thing, um, there were people who saw Jesus come back to life and still had some doubt. Just going to put that out there and move on. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven has been given to me, all authority in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to observe or obey all the things I've commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you know what? It's actually funny. He told them that and then he left. <laughs> but he gave them the Holy Spirit. So, yellow. <laughs> so three things, right? Three things, real quick. Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth. He says, go into the world world and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. How many commandments does Jesus have? 49. And then down to two. But if you actually look through the Gospels, what are the things that Jesus explicitly asks us to do? There's 49 recorded things. If you spent the rest of your life actually 
obeying, like, God, help me to love my neighbor as myself. If you spent the rest of your life doing that, that would be enough. Because you would be taking care of all of the things that pull your heartstrings, but also the heartstrings of God. What is God concerned about? Do you know that in order to save our planet, we actually need people who are caring enough to do that? There are, I think I saw, I think it's 40 million slaves now, if I'm correct, a stat. It was like 27 million, like less than a decade ago. That is ridiculous. All kinds of slavery. People just don't have a choice. But that's just a number because I don't know a slave and what should I care? Right? So in order to abolish that, we need, we need God to come in and to change people's hearts so that they wouldn't look at other people like they're objects. Who's going to do that? It's going to be us. People that God has awakened and has said, you are my son, you are a daughter, go into the world, help people see Jesus. Jesus is actually in control. Help them to see that. Help them to see that through the way that you live and call them to follow him so that as they make their choices, they are actually walking in a way that says, Jesus is Lord, I'm his disciple, come and join this amazing journey and let's do and live life the way Jesus did. You know, in the society where Jesus was, it was he was one of the very few first men that actually strongly affirmed women. People usually remember 12 disciples, but the, a lot of the ministry of Jesus was actually supported financially by women that he had impacted. He came close to lepers, people that were rejects in society. People that had been told, whenever you, wherever you go, People are going to look at you and just, there will be a big L, a metaphorical L on your forehead. In fact, people in Jesus' time would have to, to scream out leper. People who were sick and, 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 and didn't, couldn't walk, they would just lump them all into one space and just leave them there. Castaways of society. And Jesus would walk into those spaces and heal a whole bunch of them and then say, go and tell what God has done for you. Are you living your life like Jesus is in control? Or are you living your life trying to take control of things? All of this activism, a majority of it, I shouldn't say all, but a majority of this activism is just us trying to grab at things, trying to make the world into the way we think it should be. Defund the police is one example. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. They're not going to help you when you're getting stabbed. By a real knife. No. In what ways are you trying to take control? One of the things that we read um, in term two was Jesus talking about loving your enemies. You know, bless those who persecute you. And we had a 
nice little kumbaya time with the boys and it dawned on me that the best the world can say to all of us really is that when somebody and this I struggle with personally because I'm a fighter like come fight me bro um, like if somebody's being mean to you you either get told hit back don't do anything or walk away like walk away is like you're the bigger person yeah you walked away from that. <clears throat> but you know what Jesus says? Bless them. Now, how many of you have been slapped on the cheek and you're like, have the other one too? That's Jesus. <laughs> right? I wouldn't say I have either. When you're going to start an uprising and Jesus wants to do that through us, He's changing us, he's shaping us, and he's calling us to follow him and to live life like he's in control. That means that when we live life like he's in control, it comes against the fear and the anxiety that is plaguing all of our society. Can we have true peace of mind? For some of you, you don't even sleep at night. You don't even know how to handle a little bit of pressure and conflict. It just like... My whole world's gone. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, it, like, can we actually have people that walk in peace? Can we actually have people who have clarity about their identity? Can we actually have people who say, I know the direction that God is taking me in, who are not taken in by all the bull crap that is around society, who are not conformed to the ways of this world, but are transformed and are walking like Jesus would have walked as a young man. You know what they say about Jesus? He grew in favor with both men and God. He had wisdom. He submitted himself to his parents. Some of us need to learn how to be submitted to our parents. Even if our parents are not nice to us. God, take them out. No. It's no love them. Your parent is not meant to be your friend, by the way. Controversial topic. It, they're meant to parent you to the best of their ability. So the crux of this, I hope you, you, you are challenged, as I am, by this verse, which Jesus puts it clearly simple. I've got all the power and authority, and with my Holy Spirit in you, I'm sending you out to do the very thing that I started in you, which is to make disciples. And my disciples, you know my disciples, because their entire life, my choices, my thoughts, my... Uh, my actions, the things that I long for are moving and are being, are being shifted in the direction that Jesus is going. I don't have it perfectly. I don't have it perfectly at all in any of those areas. But, the, the area, but, but it means that I'm not just going to settle for, oh, I'll, just, I'll just always have a negative mindset. And, you know, I'm not going to settle for that. Because God says, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is of good report, think about those things. Oh, I'll always be anxious. You know, there's just so much stuff to be anxious about in life. No. Don't worry about these things. Don't worry about these things. So what does this mean for you in school? On Tuesday, when that same person comes back that you've been struggling with, when that same thought comes back that you've been struggling with a month from now, 
two months from now? What does it mean for you to still remember, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth is Jesus. He's called me to be his disciple and to go into the world and to announce this and to call other people into this very same journey. The alternative is you're just going to try and take control by yourself. It's going to fail every time. going to fail every time. So the call is to rise up, right? Because it will use you to influence these different areas. If you're passionate about animal uh, safety, he will use you in that sphere. Not in the way that you think should be done, but in the way that he actually commanded Adam and Eve to look after this earth. If you, look, if you think people should be loved and taken care of, that's not the government's job, by the way, to just give everybody money, take it from the rich, <laughs> and, and redistribute it, right? Like, do it God's way. It's not the Roman government that actually took care of the poor, by the way. It was the church. You and me. That's how it happened. They didn't ask the Roman government for help. And God wants to do that through you. He wants to do that through us. It's going to be challenging, but it's worth it. It's the only way. It is the only way we change this world. Only way. Jesus' way. Right. That is that. I'm going to pray for us. Um, and then we're going to wait in silence. And here's a question I guess I'll ask you to ask God. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this? After we wait for a couple of minutes, I would encourage you, turn your phones off, don't get distracted, don't distract anyone. Turn it off. You're calling him and hitting him. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it dad? Is dad calling? Ah, he, Reuben called him. And then hit him. Um, but ask God what it looks like for you. Um, later on, we're going to talk a little bit about how, how, you, how you do this. Um, because we need to also have a, a long-term mentality. Not a, my life is going to change in one day mentality. Jesus is in this for the long run. Okay? So let me pray. And then we're going to wait. Um, if it's easier for you, you can close your eyes. But just don't distract anyone. And please remove distractions. Have some time with Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your grace. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak into the very core of every heart here, even mine, to again bring clarity and to help us to see what you're calling us to. So that we would be about one thing. And that is what you're doing. So we just want to wait on you for a few minutes, Lord. In Jesus' name.